Jake. Brandon. He's having technical difficulties again. Jake, how are you? I am good. How are you? Uh, you know, I got a lot on my mind, but I'm good. I'm good overall. It's not been a bad week. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad it hasn't been a bad week. I mean, it's been, I've had worse. I've had better. I'm, I'm whelmed. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm just whelmed. Is that how you, you are allowed to be whelmed? Is that how you use that word? Because I don't feel like you ever hear that word whelmed very often. You know, you you can use it as whelmed. It's pretty amazing. Okay, okay. Well, welcome everyone to this week's episode of The Writer's Block. My name's Brandon Morehouse. And I'm Jake Flukiger. <laughs> that was a long pause there, Jake. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm pretty cool like that. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, anyways. Uh, if you wow. participate in this open discussion, please hit the mic in the bottom left corner. This is open for discussion. And if you're listening back, please make sure to give us a like and a follow over on whatever streaming service you're listening to. I don't know. Who knows what where they're listening from. But they, they can listen in so many places. Oh. And it's easy to find us on podbean.com and on any of the streaming platforms. Nice. Amy says she's whelmed. Uh, hello. Hope, hopefully we're both okay, doing well. I'm excited to listen to as I paint for a deadline. Ooh, we have a painter in the mix. Oh, you have no idea. Amy does these amazing, amazing paintings that are in massively huge, famous galleries. They're pretty incredible. Nice. I'm going to have to see those one of these days. Anyways, let's get on with the show. As usual, we usually like to have a little bit of a banter, an icebreaker. And this week... Jake's hit me. I don't know what to expect out of this. I'm kind of. I know. I'm a little it nervous. It makes me so happy. But I'm not at the same time because it's Jake. You he, you like, should be nervous. Like, I'll take a pumpkin spice latte if I drink coffee. He, he would be a total PSL person. Ew, gross. No. No, you would. No. If you drink coffee, no. you don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. Coffee's coffee's gross. A writer that doesn't drink coffee. That hey, writers a- come in all shapes and sizes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Okay, Jake, hit me with your best shot. Okay, <laughs> so recently, um, and I know this is going to come as no surprise in a certain way, out of Florida. Oh God. Okay. Um. This, sorry to all you Floridians out there. I'm sorry. This man into this apparatus that's basically a waterborne hamster wheel. Oh, okay. And you're, cu- you're cutting in and out a little bit. So, okay. Well, he's in a, let me make sure he's in a waterborne hamster wheel on the water. Yeah. Okay. So it's, okay. it's made with like a cage and buoys and everything. And this man has this goal to, Basically, like he, it's powered by him. He runs in the cage, mm-hmm. and it paddles along. Okay. And um, his goal is to make it to England. Oh. Which is four thousand miles away. I mean, okay. He made I'm interested it, to see where you're leading up to this, but okay. He only made it sixty miles before, okay. basically, before the Coast Guard got a hold of him and said a your vehicle's not registered and b you're being ridiculous uh, okay so my question for you brandon is okay if you could travel anywhere in the world what the fuck <laughs> where would it be and how would you get there uh ooh anywhere in the world you say I would, there's so many places I want to go, but are you saying like on vacation or like go and you have to live for like six months? Whichever one you want to do. You pick. Uh, My gut says the UK. Okay. I'm going to go with the UK. I feel like I would thrive in that type of like that weather up there. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah. Because it's like foggy and damp and it's depressing and not, I mean not year round I know that wow but <laughs> that I, is a marvelous commendation I, for I have the UK over there and I'm like I feel like I would thrive there like 
but I, I just, I love the English culture, and I, I mean, there's so many cultures, I think, that are beautiful, but I don't know, like, I think I would really thrive. Like, I would love to go to Australia, but no, those fucking, I have a weird fear of snakes, and no, I just, I couldn't. Yeah. It just um, wouldn't work for you. <laughs> no, it wouldn't work for me. So I feel like I would, I mean, I love British terminology. Like my, my favorite British word is like, like a git, a G-I-T. I love it. I love and it so it's much. It's like you're a moron or whatever, but I just love, I just love it. So probably the UK. Okay. And how would you get there? Would you be taking a floating hamster wheel? Uh, <laughs> I have to be honest. I think I would try. Like, <laughs> you would not. Give me I a mean, break. If there was like a if there was a boat around where it's like you're gonna be, I'm gonna keep an eye on you, right? And if the weather was, I knew the weather was gonna be perfect, which you can't predict that, right? So I get that. But I'm like, I would try. I think that Brandon, might be kind of fun. Oh my gosh! I mean, you're just walking. That's all you're right. You're just walking. Yep. You're just. You're just walking or running, and you just got to keep going. I mean, that would be interesting. What about you, Jake? Where would you go? I honestly... Let me guess. Canada. No! (laughs) You dork. I would not... Like, I love Canada, and I have lots of friends that live up there, but I am not going to Canada if I can pick anywhere in the world. I would be the one going to Australia. Oh. I mean, I would visit, but I don't think I could. I don't think I could stay just because they have like snakes that crawl up the pipes and everything. And no, I just no. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't imagine like going to the bathroom and it's like a snake head just looking at you and I'm done. We're done. <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares. I'm triggered. I'm gonna be nightmares the rest oh. of the night. So how would you get there, Jake? Would you try the hamster wheel? Say yes. No, I would not oh, try the hamster wheel. That is dangerous and just plain stupid. So is jumping out of a plane. It's fun. Trust me. Yeah, I know that you've done that, but I haven't done that. How were we friends? How did we meet up like this? Like, I don't... <laughs> we are friends out of the sheer joy of writing. <laughs> Carolyn says, I was convinced that Jake was Canadian. He's so kind and polite. <laughs> That's why. Like, oh, my gosh. That he would sit so right happy. in. He would be like, okay, what's a, uh, some maple syrupy? Like, Not everybody <laughs> talks like that up there. I know. I know free. that. I'm aware of it. But... I feel like time. Jake used to watch. Jake, do you remember the show, The Red Green Show? Oh, I loved The Red Green Show. Loved the Red Green Show, but it's very Canadian humor. And I was like, uh, it was on PBS, right? When we were younger, like that's yeah. where you PBS, and then you'd watch like Red Dwarf and Doctor Who and all that. I loved it, loved all of it. My favorite one was uh, Are You Being Served? I love that one so much. That was so great. I swear that's where the gays learned to be like bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> That and very, Ab- very possible. Ab Fab was amazing. Absolutely fabulous. I don't know if you've seen that show. I don't think I have seen that one. Probably not, because the theme of the show is these ladies that just drink and smoke and do drugs. So Oh, okay. I feel like that's a hard pass for you. Anyways, well, I'm going to the I'm going to the UK. You're going to Australia. We're gonna be on opposite of the world, so this show will be interesting to record at that point. It will be fine, Brandon. It'll Don't you fine. worry. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So let's get on with the show. Jake, what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about world building. Oh, shit. I'm excited. Oh, but I'm, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. Okay. Why are you nervous? Because I know nothing about world building. <laughs> oh, bull honky tonk. <laughs> honky. T- shut up. Honky tonk. Okay. So let's. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. Jake, what is world building? World building is exactly what it says. It's building a world that you are going to base your entire story in and have your characters live their lives. Okay. It's like that's kind of the straightforward simple answer of so of world building. It's the setting. It is the setting. Okay. 
So when I think of it, and I only think of this because I saw the trailer today and it just came out, and it's the prequel to the um, Hunger Games. Yeah. Which I have to correct myself. I did not re- read Divergent this summer. I read the Hunger Games this summer. I, I have to correct myself on that one. I you do have to correct yourself and on you that And you knew one. it. You knew it, too. You were like, no, he didn't read that this summer. He fucking read the Hunger Games. I, you know, I was just going to let it slide. But let since slide. Hey. you have this, you know, guilty conscience, obviously. Oh, uh, I don't feel guilty. I just, I acknowledge when I'm wrong. And I was wrong about that. Uh, anyways, so the prequel to that came out. And it's the character of Snow. Yep. Yeah. President Snow. Yeah. President Snow. It's like his story of how he kind of came to be. So their setting, their world building is already established because in a way, correct? Yeah. Well, in a, in a way, because obviously like time makes a difference in yeah. your world building, but the idea, the concept of where it's going to end is already in place. Okay. Okay. So if you're a starting writer, okay, you're, you're making okay. your book, you're, you have nowhere to go. What genre has the hardest time with world building? Okay. I think that really depends on the writer themselves. But okay. if you were to kind of just throw it out there as a general thing, I would definitely say that science fiction and fantasy have the hardest world building out there because they're creating worlds that don't exist in a lot of cases. That's kind of a bitch. And of course, that's what I write in. Of course. Of course uh, it is. Apparently, I just like to challenge myself. So I think, and I, and I would agree with that. I think fantasy and science fiction have the most difficult um, because with sci-fi, you kind of have to try to predict the, the future a little bit, and I don't know, it's weird. Anyways, um, I'm moving on, I digress. So what is, and I, I'm leading into this because I'm hoping you're going to take the hand because we don't discuss the show really prior. We don't do like a green room before, right? No, absolutely not. So what is a good way to set the world? Like okay. If you're, writing, if you're writing sci-fi, would I, would I, because you've read my early work. And I have read earlier work. Yeah. It's a it's it's what we like to call in the writing biz. <laughs> the wow, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. That was that. awesome. Like this is part of my process. Like okay, um, <laughs> you're so pretentious. I know. No, no, but I can't be. Um, <laughs> when you when you info dump, yes, that that's a way to do it. But there's a big but with that, right, Jake? Oh, there's a huge but with that. And what um, is that but? Well, here's the thing. First, let's kind of define what info dumping is. Okay. Um, just for those newer writers out there. Um, info dumping is where you put just a huge block of text um, without any action or dialogue or anything, and it's just explaining things to your reader. Right. A and good... we don't want to do that. A good example of that, and it's one of my favorite books, but at one point that was perfectly okay. Now it's not okay, right? So my, what is the favorite book, Brandon? Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park. The first okay. two chapters-ish are nothing but backstory and this is the world setting and it's really, it's a little tough to get through, but it really sets it well. Um, but again, when that was written, it was perfectly acceptable and we have to remind ourselves of that. So are you saying that trends and things in writing change all the time? Absolutely. They do. The one that comes to my mind is, and I'm going to probably trigger a couple people because on that episode, we've already talked about it and it's going to be one that we're going to be talking about is the word said. Now, said when you're reading is like a ghost word. Like you don't, the mind doesn't pick it up, but you just kind of register who says it. But in the world that we live in now, a big portion of that is audiobooks. And when you're hearing 
said every other sentence, it gets real annoying real quickly. And it takes you out of the story. So you want to try to, in my opinion, you want to try to avoid that. But go ahead, Jake. We're world building. Okay. So you're good. We <laughs> you like let me go off on a tangent. Like, don't do we that. We love <laughs> tangents on this show. You know that, Brandon. I know. Break. I know. Um, so with world building, we're talking about the initial info dump. Um, especially, and this can be for any genre, like whether you write contemporary or horror or any of those things, we don't want to do an info dump right at the beginning. What we want to do is we want to set a scene and give little bits of information along the way that help to flesh out this world in a way that is a lot more interesting than just saying, kaboom, here it is, people. For, For reference... And Jake, you like to bake. I do right? like to bake, yeah. Like to bake. Um, I would say you're a master baker, but that would be inappropriate. <laughs> Rude. Brandon, this is, this is a publicly friendly show. Come on. I mean, whatever. Know the audience, right? Anyways, um, so it's like when you're baking, right? You don't want to put all of your sprinkles on their first couple cookies, correct? You're going to run out of sprinkles, you're gonna it's gonna be not fun and then you gotta so sprinkle it through the sprinkle your world building throughout the story yes absolutely i hope that made sense it made sense in my head it it totally made sense we're good we like analogies okay okay so you're building this world and i will say i've noticed that people who play D &D, uh are really good at world building like they know okay they are good at it. I, I wish I could be like them. Um, and why are they good at world, world building? Because they have to, like, you have to really, I'm not into D&D, but you have to be, you really have to set the scene and set what's happening and because there's cause and effects of so, if this so happens basically here. D&D is all about storytelling. Right. Love and for it. those of you who don't know, D&D is Dungeons and Dragons. Let's just, yeah. Clarify that a little bit. Clarify yeah. that. Yeah, let's just clarify that. Um, so, Brandon. Yes. You have this entire world that you have to set up, whether mm-hmm. that's contemporary or fantasy or science fiction. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that you can do that? So, like I as the author or as like a character, what, I need to, what do you mean? What I mean is, is... You as as the author, you as the writer, how, what are some of the different ways that you can do that without it sounding info dumpy? So there's a couple options. And I think, again, this comes to your own process. Like how I, I write notes to myself of, oh, I like this idea. And then I build off of it. Um, I like this idea and then I build off of it and so on and so forth. Um, do, like, do you mean how do you present it? How you present the world? to your reader is that i just want to make sure yep yep. yeah okay there there's a number of ways you can uh, i and i'm still struggling with this and but i like one thing that you can do and i'm doing this right now in my book abandoned um is you can have the character kind of like writing in a memoir and they're kind of like oh this happened today and blah 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 and then that gives little insights into what's happening in the world um, it gives it from that perspective. Another way is um, religion. You know, religion plays a, a big basis in a lot of stories um, and those cause and effects. Okay. Yeah. So so basically through, uh, you, there's a lot of different tools that you can use. You can use uh, dialogue mm-hmm. to give some of the world building. Oh, see, that's um, what you were looking for. You were looking for specifics. Got well, it. and you gave specifics because because you <laughs> said that you were gonna that you what your book abandoned was uh, said from kind of a memoir kind of diary type thing. And that's right. another great way to do it. There are all these different tools that you can use um, through setting scene descriptions and character reactions to things right. that can help you set the world without again having a huge info dump at the very beginning. Right, and I don't think. I think a little bit of an info dump is okay, um, but nothing. What's probably the max length on that, Jake? 
Well, again, I think it's all about sprinkling it in. And so, like, I, with Jurassic Park, like, I like that book. It's not one of my favorites because it's so scientific and I just want to read to read. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the info dump at the beginning was so hard for me to get through. Two chapters worth of massive scientific information is a lot to get through. Yes, it is. I might feel differently now that I'm not in high school, though, which was when (laughs) I read it. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's fair. That's 100% fair. Weird. That's when I read it, too. (laughs) You're just more sophisticated than I am, I guess. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm total trash. But anyways. Uh, So, okay. So we, we can world build through dialogue, through action beats. Yeah? Action beats? Absolutely. Okay. So, what's a good, like, I... Because I know, I feel like a lot of authors struggle with that right at the beginning because they want to info dump. They want to really set the scene and it's, well, this happened because this happened 60 years ago and blah, 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 like all of that. How do you do that? How do you give kind of the history of something in the story if it's absolutely necessary? Because I feel like a lot of times there's authors that they want it in their head, but it's actually not really needed for that story. Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about before on the show and that you and I, Brandon, have talked about is making sure that the information that you put on the page mm-hmm. is important for your reader um, because there's information that is important to you as an author, but your readers may not need to know it. Okay. Okay. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, so that being said, understanding what's important to get on the page now obviously there was let's let's for example take the hunger games because we were talking about that just a minute ago in the beginning of the hunger games it can they don't tell you about the past 60 years Mm -hmm. they just start setting the scene for the current moment right and they're expecting their readers to do a lot of the piecing together, which is okay. not a bad thing. Okay. Trust that your readers are smart people. Right. So uh, what you can do is like, I like to think of them as like Easter eggs, right? We all know Easter eggs in movies. And that's like, oh, that's referencing this and blah, blah, blah. Is that kind of a way to do it? Yeah, it's... World building can be done in a variety of ways and it's what works for you at the same time. Like, obviously there's thing like kind of do's and don'ts, mm-hmm. but setting Easter eggs, setting these little tidbits along the way, these little breadcrumbs, so to speak, is a great way to kind of draw your reader in. Okay. Again, we want our reader hooked. We want our reader to say, Oh my gosh, I need to know what happens next. Right. If you, info dump the past 50 years of this civilization you've created on whatever world you've created it on um that might not be the most interesting thing that's gonna say have readers going oh my gosh this is just the most brilliant work ever Mm -hmm. and i have to keep on reading okay so what are some of the don'ts don'ts um don't info dump Try again to sprinkle sprinkle the information in. Um, don't uh, get so caught up in the details that you forget about the bigger picture things like plot and character development. You might have all of these amazing ideas about your world and mm-hmm. how it works. And, you know, if you're writing fantasy, like your magic system might have you know, hundreds of rules and, and all of this cool stuff that goes along with it. But if you get so caught up in telling your readers that Uh you're going to miss out on the real story. And unfortunately that's where you're going to lose readers. I, I think, and you touched base on something that kind of triggers me and you know that I know what you did. Um, What? uh, what? I am innocent. innocent. Uh, You, or not. Uh, 
<laughs> I think I, I, I think. Oh God, I had it and it's gone now. I think with one of the things. Are you having a brain moment? I had a brain moment. It's gone. It's okay. I so, know where you were leading me into, and I was so focused on that that I went. Oh, that's what it was. There it is. I think. <laughs> I think it's okay to write that all out and get it out of your head um, on a first draft. That way you kind of know where the story is going to go. And then you can edit and pick and choose what you want. I don't want to discourage people from info dumping because it might be, yes, it's not okay. But on a first draft where you're just like, I need it out of my head and on paper and I need to make sure it makes sense. I think that's fine. And then you can edit that out. Right. Yeah, I'm totally I'm totally all for that. I think that is perfectly fine. And then you triggered me with that magic thing. You know what you did. You know exactly I, what you did. I have no idea what you're talking about, Brandon. Ask me. Ask away, because I know you you want to. Go ahead. Let's hear your answer. No. So, <laughs> on magic in fantasy worlds, there's two different types of worlds. Um, there's two kind of, and it's current right now where there's like kind of two different rules and it's there's hard magic and there's soft magic and i might get them mixed up and i want to say soft magic is like there's no consequences to when someone does magic they just do it because they can do it um kind of the the closest that i can think of off the top of my head is like harry potter he can do whatever because he's a magician and it's just like oh a magician did it they can do that right Okay. There's not really any boundaries set in that magical system. Now, the opposite of that, and the best example I can think of is, excuse me, um, Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay. It's hard magic. There are rules and there are consequences to using, even, I know it's not magic, but there are rules and there are consequences if they do something, or actually a better example of that, and this one is a really good example, um, Full Metal Alchemist. Okay. There are very strict rules for when they use magic. In fact, I think when the opening lines is uh, the the shit, I haven't watched it forever, the law of equivalent exchange. You can't have something without sacrificing something else. So there's like, there's very strict rules to that and they can't break it. Okay. So that that limits what that person that's using the quote-unquote magic can and cannot do. And I've seen that a lot lately where it's like I want to – there needs to be more rules of what is working and what's not working. Okay. So, Brandon, you just brought up an excellent point for our world building, and that is magic systems. Oh, um, I knew you not- were leading me into that when you baited me. I did nothing of the sort. Yeah, okay, okay. You came to this conclusion all on your own. Whatever. Anyways. The point is, is that magic can be one of the biggest things for world building. Yes. Um, especially in, in a fantasy or sci-fi fantasy setting. Now, in the contemporary worlds, we don't have magic systems necessarily. Right. Um. Otherwise, we'd be looking at fantasy or paranormal or other things like that. Right. Um, but we do have to still have a setting, and that does require some world building. Right. We can use actual locations, but even if we're using actual locations, we still need to have descriptions and context for people that maybe have never been there. Maybe your story is set in, you know... Great Britain, and you, you, some of your readers have never been there. You have to kind of set that up, right? And and help them understand where this story is taking place. Yeah, I think I think there's really some great work out there, and one that I've been keeping an eye on, and it's really growing in popularity, is like steampunk. Um, yeah, yeah, that one's become very popular because it's such a different world than what we're used to and you can do a lot with it you just have to reimagine it and i think that's where people really enjoy it i think there's there's like a cyber steampunk going on as well yeah there's all the subgenres that that are uh, a lot of fun to play with 
Now, as one genre that, I mean, you could set, I don't know how, I don't, I lit- literally do not know how you set this genre is Dino Erotica. How the fuck do you set that? Brandon like, Morehouse, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I'm really curious. Is it like Jurassic Brandon. Park? Brandon. Stuff? Like, what? Brandon. I, what? You promised. <laughs> you promised that we would move on from this last I, last season. I can't get over it. I can't get over I it. I know you can't get over it. it. And introduced it to me, and I'm like, this is this is some crazy shit. Like, this is out it's, there. I mean, it's out the there. Authors, damn, but I, how do you set that? Like, so here's know. the thing. Let's let's if we're gonna talk about it, let's dive into it. Let's go for. <laughs> For world let's go building, into it. like let's just do it. So for world building, Brandon, you were saying, do you set it like Jurassic Park or something? Yeah. Okay. I know. So I don't why, know. I've never read any Dino Erotica, so I have no idea. Like neither have I. Okay. This is, this is new territory, but I'm assuming, going to guess here with a with a very logical guess, that the world building would be pretty similar to other genres. We pick a time period. We pick, you know, uh, the types of characters that we have. We pick if there is religion or politics, what their money system is, their education system. We can dive into as many pieces of world building as we need to to flesh out a world that this story can happen in. So you bring up a topic that I want to jump into. Okay. Is time period. Okay, yeah. How important, I mean, how important is that? Like. So, obviously, that depends on genre. And my nephew was here just a little while ago. And he was watching uh, some of the Star Wars things on Disney+. And one of the titles was uh, Far, Far Away. And, you know, Star Wars was set in a galaxy far, far away. Um, but it was also set in a very different time period. And so you have time periods that go back to, you know, um, medieval and Renaissance, uh, the golden age, you have wonderful books that were, that have been written for future times or for contemporary times. So it really depends on the genre that you're writing. And also it's, it, there's another twist to that, which is with, say, fantasy, they don't necessarily have to work on the same time frame that our world does. Right. That's where I was kind of getting into that. Of If you're in a fantasy world, a world that's not our own, how do you, like, you want a 19, we'll say 1920s fantasy world-esque, 1920s-esque, how do you make that into your own, like, 1920s set on Mars something? I don't know. Okay, so, like, a 1920s sci-fi? Yeah. Okay. So let's take a 1920s sci-fi. What are some things, Brandon, that the 1920s has that would be key components to help people understand that it was like the 1920s? Uh, my The first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, like, flappers. Jazz. Yeah. Um, and then I think of like like what is it, art art deco? Like that yeah. that kind of style buildings. Um and then I think like mystery. I feel like a mystery would be really good in nineteen twenties. Like that's just that's how I feel. A, the a initial reaction. Okay. We can also uh toss in there things that were prevalent during the time period. We can toss in types of vehicles. We can toss in types of communication and technology. Um, All things that kind of hint towards the 1920s. And so even though you're talking about a science fiction novel on Mars, you can have these elements from the 1920s that help people understand that this world that you're building is based with that theme in mind. Okay. So, like, 
pick like a time frame, right? And kind of run with it. Be like, okay, what would it look like if a modern society was completely built out of, uh, I need to think like Egyptian era, right? Yeah. What would that look like? And, and just run with that's it. That's basically the question. Go that all you out. Yourself is, is what would that look like? For, for this story. Yeah. Obviously. And so you have time, you have, um, as you mentioned at the very beginning, you have religion. Religion plays a big role in a lot of books. Right. Uh, whether it is blatantly stated or not. Um, and so you can take something like religion and transform it into whatever you want for the purposes of your story. But again, you need to kind of make sure that you have a clear idea of what that looks like for your world. Right. And that's where, and that's where I'm thinking, like when your first draft, get it all out. Like you can edit it all out later and kind of sprinkle it through your story of stuff that's important. But a lot of it's probably not as important to that particular story as you think it is. Cause you can, like I said, keep, like we keep saying, sprinkle, sprinkle it through. Yes, absolutely. Um, Amy says in the comments, even realism uses world building because the author chooses what matters enough to play a role in the world of the story. Right. Absolutely. Amy, that is um, in contemporary and realism you get to decide what the pieces of that world look like and you get to decide what to include and what not to include. Right. Um, and it, it is basically, again, world building is making a world or a story or a setting that works for you um, and whatever comes to mind. Right. And I think, can, I, I, think go ahead, Brad. I think another key component of that is your perspective how yeah. much of that world does your main character know about that world so if you've got a kid like if your story is a, a kid like a, a, a main character sorry is about a kid he's probably not going to know a whole lot about like politics and the history of the world and so on and so forth right Yes, absolutely. So, like, depending on the audience that you're writing for, it's definitely going to be a big difference in your world building. Right. Now, what what uh, genre or age group or both um, typically has the most world building? Well, that's kind of a funny funny one um you have books and brandon i know you've read this one like um dune oh dune that, <laughs> that one was a little tough but i made it through <laughs> okay so, brandon why was it tough it i it was good it was very just dry right it was tell me about the world building of that story I mean, they did some, they did good world building because there's a lot of religion and there's a lot of religion in that one. Um, but it's because of where it's based, it's, you know, basically a, a desert. The whole, so their whole culture revolves around them being on this desert planet and the worms and just how they work as a modern society in the desert and like how they kind of sprinkle it again. I I keep saying, I keep going back to that. I need to find a better way of saying that, but how they make it work. And it's, it's really subtle. Like it is really subtle, but some of it's like when you first see something like the choppers that are just kind of flying through the air that look like, I think they said it looked like birds. Okay. I I believe. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute since I've read it, so I can't quite remember. No, it's all good. So here's the thing: Dune had a lot of world building that was fairly complex with all the religion and everything. Yes, um, and that doesn't mean that 
books like Harry Potter, for instance, didn't have tons of world building. Yeah. The world building is just different. And so I don't think you can label an age group or a genre that has more world building than another in a lot of senses because they all have a massive amount of world building to do to set up the story. Uh, They just might be more or less complex uh, politically or religiously. They just might not have all the variables. Right. Now, one that, one that I think of in my head, that's very detailed and very info dumpy other than Michael Crichton uh, is Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. Whew. The French know how to set a scene. Jesus. Like, <laughs> they, I, there was like, I think two chapters right in the middle of the story where they're talking about this is the layout of the city and what the city looks like. And it, it's nice because it does set, you, you get the image in your head. But by modern standards, that would be unacceptable, especially in the middle of the book. Where you're like, oh, I got the idea. I, I get it. Um, I absolutely. I think there is a uh, a time and a place, so to speak, uh, for for you to be explaining whew. detailed specifics about a city's layout. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a good story, but geez, like there was, I was like, Jesus, I get it. Like, <laughs> got it. <laughs> There's a there's a river. I know what Paris looks like, but by modern standards, right? So yes, but it's important to know that setting because it helps, especially when it's like people are being treated differently or what have you. Like that river that's like across this side of the river, it's like where the rich and powerful live, and they're very blah blah blah. And then on this side, it's not. And that helps set that character's tone and why they're struggling and what side of the river they live on. And I, I that plays a big part of the story. Yes. Yeah. Um, She's coming. I think coming in hot. I think that there are. So we have. And we have time. What about uh, politics? We're not, no, I'm not even going to, no. I'm not saying that we need to dive into (laughs) political viewpoints right now. I'm just saying that, like, for The Hunger Games, the politics in that book are very important to the storyline. Who is in charge, what they are doing, um, why they are doing it. Right, and why they're doing it. And it helps understand the frustration of... Katniss and why she's like it's these games are so important and even after watching the movie and then going back and reading the book I was like Jesus it was it was almost watered down in the movie versus the book of how important those games were and why the you wanted to win like and I, I think that plays into it and how it helps set the tone for Katniss's attitude and why there's a hatred for um, the district. I can't think of the district 11. No, I don't know. Well, she was in district 12. Okay. um, And they, they have a a hatred for the capital. The capital. uh, District one and two. Yeah. Because they, um, you know, obviously they are very, mistreated base because of those people right right and so, did you have anything you want to add to this no are you okay. talking to me yes i said m for a reason i didn't hear the m part I just oh sorry you're talking um just listening to you guys i mean is it's similar to when you make i mean i don't write fantasy um but there are some fantastical parts that are not not places that you can locate on a, on a real map. Right. But is it this 
is it similar to like creating a place or a house that has its own personality that kind of becomes a character? I think that that depends on the writer and whether or not the world or the place itself needs to be a character with memory. I think sometimes it happens organically and it just occurs that way. I think there are other times where a writer specifically has um, this place have kind of its own like you said, its own character, its own personality, its its own um, living and breathing sense. Yeah. And so, and then there are stories that the the place is is really cool, but it's or it's it's contemporary and it's just there, and it's not necessarily something that is really deeply involved. So I think you can take it in a bunch of different directions. Um, obviously, something like. Um, Brandon, you're going to love this one. Obviously something like Peter Pan. Oh, fuck. Neverland itself is its own being within the story. Well, and I think it's... I think you have to ask yourself when you're creating a world like that, especially a world that's out of nowhere, right? And you can't place it on a map, and you can't do X, Y, and Z... It's, well, what would this world look like if, you know, it was run by a 12-year-old boy? What would that world look like? And how would those boys survive? And what would they, et cetera, et cetera. I think that, especially as your main character, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am trying to think, and I can't off the top of my head, of a book where the place itself is kind of the main character. Um, and I, I'm failing to come up with one right now, but I know that uh, there are books that do that. I think have either I... of you ever read Sliver? I no. Not. Well, there's also a movie based on the book. But the apartment complex that they live in mm-hmm. is a character. It's, I love that. It's Monster really Hell. kind of strange, and there's a lot of unrest. And but it's almost as though when you're reading the book, that the actual characters become side characters to the building. I I I feel like you tend to see that more in um, like thriller, in my opinion, or like. Uh, like this room is, and I and I I think of what is it? Room one, some I, don't, I had John Cusack in it. it. It's this room that's haunted. oh my god, yes, uh, written by Stephen King. Yes, I can't. It's a hotel room that's haunted, and it's the room is the bad guy, right? Yeah. And it's this psychological thriller, and it's this. It's a really, it's one of my favorite thriller movies. It's so good at just this is a place, but it's its own entity. Um, so I think of like thrillers and horrors and stuff like that that are more like that than sci-fi in that aspect. Well, my well friend, I was you... just asking the question because that was one of I had several editors, but one of my editors said that I had made one of the places in my book kind of a side character and it kind of threw me off guard because I'm like okay this is a beach how does it become a side character it does because you infuse it with so much life and having a setting that on a world that is or a piece of a world that is that well described and that 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 has that much voice to it Mm. is something that's a real talent so kudos them yeah kudos to you i think that's if you can do that it makes the reader like oh i really want to visit this place right think well, of the shire i mean when think i was thinking i needed a place for you know my team to get away um but i didn't want a real place so i made up a place that's outside of destin 
-hmm. it doesn't exist. I call it dreaming. And I know Destin Beach quite well because I grew up there, but it's the Destin Beach of when I was young, not the Destin Beach of now. Right. But I just needed this, this sanctuary of a type of place for them to go and decompress. And I wasn't intentionally trying to do that. So it just kind of caught me off guard with everything you were seeing about world building. I'd never actually thought that I'd built a world into my story. But you have, and even the contemporary places that you have in your story, those are all world building too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about magic systems. We've talked about politics, religion, time, uh, places being part of our world building basically anything that you that is tangible or that in our world currently like you could come up with creatures for your world you can come up with you know uh buildings and plants and landscapes and how many suns and moons there are in the sky and right. if they have stars or not like Everything that, that you can see and touch and feel and taste and everything, all of those pieces you can use as jumping off points for world building, no matter what genre you are working with. And I, there's one thing I like to do when I'm building my world is uh, create a mood board, right? Yeah. And Pinterest is a really great place to find that. And, I, and Jake's seen me do this where it's like, okay, here's, kind of some inspiration. Here's some clothing that I think they would wear. Here's some favorite colors. Here's this. Here's some technology examples. Here's some building examples. And they really, they really help me understand what does this world feel like? And that, when I started doing that, I really, I feel like I, I jumped a level of this is the world. I'm in this abandoned world where blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to give it away because it's, I don't it, want to get that story away, but <laughs> up, it pumps up your ability to visualize the world because you, Brandon, are very visual. I am very visual, and I think it's hard for new authors to realize. Okay, I can do that, and then that helps me. It's a tool you can use to help you visualize and and uh, be part of that world, right? Like. What does this feel like? What does the mood feel like? So on Thank and so you, forth. Ariel. I'm glad that you have created the mood and that you're part of that world. Stop it. I love that you're trying to be snarky right now and you need to not. <laughs> but it I'm doesn't, so it doesn't, it doesn't work for it. you. You're cause like, you're just, you're so monotone when you do it. You're like, okay, Ariel. I'm like, what? Oh, I say I am more British than you. You are. Stop it. Like, <laughs> no, you're more Canadian than I am. Like, <laughs> oh, I knew that would get you. Um, okay. I'm going to get you some maple syrup for your birthday next year. Just wow. Do it. Um, so, Brandon. Yes. How do you, or how did you as a beginning author, start this world building process? Because the world that you have in your science fiction is pretty complicated. Um, you have a lot of aspects uh, between um, military and uh, special abilities and, and everything. You know, I really, because it's set in it, more closer to modern times, so I, it, I used a lot of what was happening. Um, and then I was just like, well, let's, what would it be like? And I think that's the very first, when I'm creating a new story and it's like, what would this world look like? I'm like, what would it be like if demigods were living in modern times? So I asked myself that question and then I kind of build off of that. Well, this is what they would probably have to deal with and this is what they would struggle with and so on. And just kind of creating those conflicts out of that initial question and just kind of spider webbing off of it. I think that helps build um, 
I know a lot of authors will use like post-its and dry erase boards and stuff to kind of track this is what this works and this wouldn't work and so on and so forth. But having that, well, it's a modern story of uh, the saga is going to be, you know, the, the, the modern story of the gods fighting the Titans. That's basically what it is. Um, You know, and just using real life buildings and then just kind of destroying them. <laughs> it is it is very um it's very complicated as, as far as that goes. Yes. I um <laughs> I love I love that. Um so Brandon. Yes. I want you to give me three things about a world that you are creating in your head right now? Like, like, nope, what do you just, mean? just about a mock. Three things. Uh, that could 19, be 1920s mystery set on Mars. You just did that earlier in the show, you goof. That's what came into my head. Okay, I'll give it to you. 1920s mystery set on Mars. It can be as simple as that. Give a time period, give a place, and give a genre. Yeah. Like you, that can be the 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 start of your world building journey. Yes, and build off of that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so simple. We make it sound so more complicated, but it's like no, you just build off of it. You just have to. It's like editing, right? It's not the original idea that makes the story. It's the editing and the building and growing the story so it becomes this world now there are people that use um like templates and forms and everything where they fill out everything they can possibly think about um about the this world and they go through all of the categories Mm -hmm. and they they map everything out even if they're not going to use all of it right they they will do that before they even start writing so they have a really clear picture of this world or this universe that they're going to have their characters inhabit. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if that's part of your, if that's your process, do it. I mean, do what works best for you. Again, I, I, I like to write my kind of my info dump out. This is what's happening and this is what's happened, blah, blah, blah. And then I can get a timeline in my head of, okay, well, we've already uh, that's already happened, so we wouldn't. That probably wouldn't happen again. And what were the consequences of that? And then you can build off of it. And it's like, okay, because this happened, that means they put this into place, and now that's a law, or what have you. Um, yeah. I think that plays into it as well for world building. Absolutely. Of creating those laws. I I personally am very much a discovery writer. Um, I have massive amounts of worlds in my head based on each of my story ideas, and they just kind of balloon and grow and expand, and all of it's just tucked up there. And when I start writing, like it's it's kind of there. It's there, uh, and and so. Uh, new things come up as I write. Um, and it's, like I said, I, I discover things along the way that are really cool. Um, and we, we just kind of go from that jumping off point. So it's really world building boils down to finding something that works for you, right. making sure that your world is fleshed out enough that people can see it in their own heads. Your readers can understand and see what you're getting at. Right. Making it a rich experience. Right. And with that, Jake, we're out of time. I know. It's the hour always goes by so quickly. It goes by so quickly. So um, quickly. Brandon. So, Jake, what is next week's topic? Next week we're gonna be talking about audiobooks. Which I am excited for because audiobooks have become such a mainstream thing. Yes. They become a big part of our lives and don't feel like they're going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So, stay tuned for that one. And don't forget, Jake. Yes? 
What am I? What am I? What did I forget this time? You didn't forget anything. I'm just. It's just a segue. Um, don't forget to give us a like and a comment on the episode if you listen to us on Podbean or any of the other audio listening devices. <laughs> platforms. I platforms. Wow, it's been a long day. Like, I got up at four o'clock to go to the bathroom, and I have been up since. I couldn't fall back asleep. You sweet darling. <laughs> sweet thing. So, yes, give us a like, give us a comment on there. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Sounds good. We'll see you later. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.